0: I ain't never been the loudest in the room. The higher the volume, the more imminent the doom. Don't play yourself, kid, play the system. The U.S. government, the largest walking contradiction. Listen, if you want to see impossible, then look at me. My DNA is cut exquisitely from the best of sheets. If I'm lying, I'm flying, and I'm ten-toe solid on the same soil that my grandfather's was walking on oh, your yeah, history. Tata pain lautiwa. Welcome, friend, to Quantum Theory a podcast solely focused on amplifying black and indigenous voices. And 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 Let's go get them. Hello, and welcome to Quantum Theory. Michaela and I were able to get together to record a brand new episode this week. However, we've been recording our conversations over the last few months. So with this 11th episode, here are a few clips of some of our past conversations. We hope you enjoy. What was your upbringing? in your spirituality and in, in your life, you know, and then also just where you're at right now.
1: Yeah. So growing up, my mom's side was Presbyterian. So she wasn't like seven drum or what other tribes or indigenous people, you know, there's the creator and there's, you know, the people and how they operate and having our, their own beliefs and tribal beliefs and the way they move and longhouse and things like that. And so she was Christian like, um, and my, like my whole family on that side. And then my dad's side, they're a Christian as well. They were Baptist. And so although my dad wasn't a, he wasn't like, he's, he was religious he was religious because my family and his fan, like his, his parents and his siblings, and basically all of our family's Baptist. And he didn't really find that way until a little bit later. Not that he was out being a heathen and doing this, that, and a third. he just, You know, he didn't really lock into it a little bit later. He's, he's the rebel, I guess, of the family, but not much of a rebel anyway. But that, with that being said, both sides are a little bit more, my family was conservative. Let's put it that way. (laughs) So (laughs) like, you don't cuss around, like you have the respect. And if with, with my mom's side, they're a little bit, I don't know. Now I feel like I'm rambling with my mom's side. They're a little bit more laid back just because of the dynamics of the reservation is what it is. Um, but this is what we follow. This is what we do. This is where we go to church. Uh, my dad, there's very, we don't drink wine. You don't drink beer. If you do, you know, if you miss a step coming down the stairs and you had half a glass of wine or two sips, it's all the wine. Like, you know, so it was like with my family's Christianity was a major headstone and that's the way I grew up. That's the way I thought you're supposed to be. and um, that's how you're supposed to operate. But now that I'm older, I have a little bit different of a perspective. I don't question Christianity, don't get me wrong. Um, everybody has a faith. If you have a faith, like that's something I completely respect. But when it now that I'm older, I look at it a little bit differently. I'm not going to say it's a, white religion, but I think the way it was introduced to us with natives in boarding schools and within slavery, it is. It's a forced white religion that was placed upon us in times of desperation, in times of in need. And even with Black people, we were given a Bible, but we were given a slave Bible. So, we there a lot of things were missing. So, that way, we didn't feel superior to white people. And so, like I said, I don't question question it as in, I don't believe in it, but there definitely are some underlying questions as I get older and I'm understanding history and the the way we operate and how we came to be and why we move the way we move. And some of the generational traumas that we do have are stemmed from Christianity, enforcing this book in our face. Because I mean, somebody's sitting there typing up Bibles, printing them and selling them. So it's like, it is a man-made book, really like somebody's making them. Yes. But I just feel as though right now, I mean, I'd always consider myself a Christian just as, just because that's the way I was brought up. But now that I am a little bit older, I do feel as though what was the real purpose of handing us this religion, you know, and for, for black people, I think it, it goes both ways. Some indigenous people, some native people are like, well, why are you serving this God that did this to us and this to us and this to us? Why aren't you following seven drum? And then you have black people who are like, well, why are you worshiping up this God? You know, And it's not that I, I, I get both sides, I guess. And yes. I'm just at that point in my life to where I want to know more, put it that way. I don't question anything, but I want to know more. And I feel like Black people were given the Bible at a time where we were in desperation to where all we had was to believe, believe so that way we can stay alive or something to look forward to or something to sing about to keep us going, to keep us strong and to being able to birth the next generation and raise the next generation. This was our faith, you know, and so... I don't know. So, yes, that's just kind of where I'm at with it. That's beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. So what about you? What are are your, (sighs) you know, ideas? (laughs) It's hard to talk about. You got to walk on eggshells, you know?
0: I have been throwing off my slippers and I have been trampling on these eggshells because I'm just at that point in my life. Uh, I grew up devoutly Catholic. My mom's side of the family is extremely Catholic. Uh, so that's just how I grew up. Of course, there have been, because my my mom's, fam, my mom's family all comes from uh, Lapway. they're on the Nespers reservation. reservation. Uh, we have a lot of tie-ins with our cultural practices as well. And so that gets kind of um, interesting because there's blended portions of taking our Nimipu traditions and bringing them into the church. And there's portions of the church that get brought into some of our Nimipu traditions. Uh, And then when it comes to like celebrations and especially funerals, a lot of times we find a mixture of a lot of these different faiths and faith practices coming together. And so that's what I grew up in, uh, a primarily Catholic family that also respects and honors a lot of our Nimipu traditions. Uh, My dad's side um, is actually where I get a lot of my access or yes, uh, to speaking, speaking very specifically, um, because I, I don't know my biological father. So my, my black father, I don't know him. And it's only been in the last two years that I've had, uh, contact with him. However, um, with my stepdad, my dad, Joe, the man who raised me, who I call dad, uh, his family, they grew up or they're all over in the Pendleton area. And so they're very into the long house, you know? So when, when I am over there with them, you know, I get involved with longhouse stuff, you know? And it's strange because I get put in this in this arena that I don't quite fit in, and I don't exactly know. Like, if you don't know the vocabulary, if you don't know where to be, you feel like an outsider. Uh, and so I had that on one side, and then the defa- the devout Catholicism on the other. Uh, so much so that I even went to a Catholic school for college. You know, I didn't go there because it was Catholic. Yet it's funny looking back now. I'm like, geez, I went even to a college that is Catholic. Um, and the crazy thing about that for me now is the fact that like, I'm stripping myself of all Catholicism as much as I can. And I know that I cannot, uh, erase all of the years, you know, all of the three decades of years that I grew up in this religion and these teachings. And I know that this is a way that my family communicates with one another through our Catholic talk and through our connection, our prayer, the things that bring us together. However, going off of everything that you all are saying, it's like, this stuff was forced on us, you know? I, I have a hard time reconciling the fact that I had a relationship with my great-grandmother and her father and his father literally fought against Catholicism and Christianity coming into our, into our lives as Nespers people, you know? And I'm like, it's not that far removed generation-wise, yet now my family holds on so tightly to this thing that was forced upon us. And it actually caused this huge divide within our Nespers people where a small, like a portion of the Nespers tribe sold off the lands and the rights for other people, you know, like that's a huge area of contention in our tribal history. And that's not even taking into account um, the, the black side of it all, you know, and, and our African ancestry and all of that history. There's so much in there where I'm like, why am I holding on so tightly to this thing that one purports not to love me because I'm gay and I'm black and I'm all these other things, you know, like, okay, so you don't support me in these arenas. You've accosted my family and my people for generations. And even in your imagery, there isn't any sign of black or brown uh, divinity. It's all a very Eurocentric phenotype and a very Eurocentric divinity that is shown. You know, we're not shown black people being angels and native people being angels and divine and all these things, you know, and these are images that I'm putting into my mind. Therefore, that's what's creating the world around me. No, I'm done doing that. Uh, And so that's where I kind of stand right now is like a complete shedding of all of these structures. Uh, And at the exact time, it being very true that I can never move on from these things because it's what I grew up in. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, yeah, it was an awesome breakdown. I think, I think for black people and how, you know, it, we didn't, we never, we didn't have anything. You know, when we got here, it's like, yeah, we came from Africa, but a lot of our family and our children, our unborn children were killed off. And from there you have, and then from there, we just had slaves for for decades. So it's like, what do we cling in, cling on to? What do we believe in? We weren't taught our African beliefs. If we were, we weren't old enough to maintain them for the most part. So it's like, I felt like we cling to Christianity in desperation of, you know, finding something to have hope in and to guide us because we didn't have our own ancestors to guide us in the first place, you know, and so... So I don't know. It's, it's, it, it's a hard conversation to kind of have, especially and it's a conversation I don't even dare to bring up to my black side because it's just like, you know, I'll Michaela. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, they believe in what they believe in, but I really don't believe Christian Christians even have all the answers themselves. So I think with natives, it's a little bit different because we derive off of the land we yes. derive off of our ancestors. We de- derive off of these stories. And so it's not. This is like this. Sound. It's not that I'm saying that I have more respect for you know native traditions. That's a wrong way of putting it. But I, I don't question it as much as I do for you know Christianity. Um, but like I said, I don't want to say I'm questioning because that sounds bad. But I don't have questions or you know I, I want to get a deeper understanding. Well, what religion are we really following? You know, who's printing this out for us to believe in? You know, is it a way to because. It, even the Bible makes it seem like God's such a hateful God and he's yeah. and he's not and so it's like who wrote those words and who were they writing them to so yes. that way there would be order it's like white people have constructed this entire country since they've taken it for us what makes you think they wouldn't construct and put what they want to put in the Bible yes. so I don't know but I know what just to kind of bounce off and kind of run around real quick is missing black fi- fathers' own fortunate stereotype Um, But but for different reasons, sometimes it's obviously being, you know, for some families, it's being, you know, taken away to the judicial system or being, you know, being put in prison. And then some dads just, you know, just aren't there. I don't know how to be a dad because their dad wasn't there. And so it all goes back to racism and slavery in the end. But it is a very real stereotype. So with you having your, you know, your black father not there in the picture, was there any Did you ever have this like yearning to understand your black culture a little bit or was there like does it feel like it was a missing piece or did it just kind of was like oh well the you know Joe like your dad was he just kind of like he came in and I don't even think about it. Is that like your black side was that something you felt like was a missing piece that you wanted to figure out or you were okay with not figuring out.
0: Uh, I think both. I I feel as though I was fully enriched uh, by my family. That's the greatest thing is that I was loved dearly. And so being loved fully didn't leave room for a void. You know, it wasn't until later uh, getting in arguments with some of my classmates in elementary where they were like, you have to have a dad. Every person has a mother and a dad. And I was like, yo, I have my mom and my auntie and that is my life, you know? I didn't even know you needed a dad to be created, you know? That's, that's the world that I lived in because I was covered in that much love. Uh, at the exact same time, I also knew how I was different and we've kind of talked about this and I'm sure we'll jump into it more just based on like our experiences with the people around us and, and, the, and the world at large, you know? The world doesn't let you just pass through without letting you know you're black, you know what I mean? Um, and especially on the res, you know, I'm like, you get told. You, you know, you're different because people let you know you're different. Um, And so it was nothing that I could ever shirk or like ignore and not that I ever wanted to. So it was just always a thing. One, that luckily the people around me um, made sure that it was information that I knew. And then two, for me, I just took it upon myself a lot of times, you know, like just to to derive my own sense of knowing and my own sense of culture. What's cool is that now as like a 30 something year old, you know, I've now had a conversation with my biological father, um, which has untapped this whole new world of connection to my identity. I've also learned that I have another half brother and a lot of other family members. So just even getting the knowledge of me being connected to others has helped ground me. Um, And it's helped also to just help me with like conceptualizing the ways that I have developed my own um, sense and knowing in my Black identity as I grow up, you know, with the friends and family members outside of me that I connect with, participating in culture, you know, like something as simple as 106 and Park, you know what I mean? Like I used to come home from school all the time and like watch 106 and Park. And like, I know that's kind of stupid. Yet you look at it back now and you're like, yo, everybody this like ran key- when it was park when you it know what I mean? <laughs> and so it's like I actively participated. So even though I didn't have the vocabulary at the time to be like, yo, this is my black ass self. Like I was still expressing my black ass self without knowing it. Um, so, yeah, that's no, like, like a that, quick one
1: You tapped into it the way you felt you needed to tap into it without society telling you how to, you know, tap into it. But I mean, I know spirituality is a little bit different, but at the same time, it's still structure. Like you grow up with structure, whether it's your parents, whether it's your identity, whether it's your religion, whether it's whatever, it's still some sort of structure. So you kind of had, you know, a missing peg, but you always obviously filled that in. Because I'm one of those, I'm very passionate about that. You know, if you don't believe in something, you'll fall for anything. And you need to be able to, it's a a, a way of confidence as well. It's how you move throughout life. It doesn't have to be the same for the rest of your life. But as long as you're believing in something and it's in good faith, boom. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of things that I won't know. I mean, as parents, you're going to teach, you're going to learn more from your kids than sometimes they may learn from you. Or, you know, you'll learn more as they get older you know, and I think that's something, especially with my mom, she was just so used to just, you know, and she, well, and I think in a way she's loosening up a little bit, but she was taught Presbyterian and that's the way she is. And she's the elder of the church, but, and then there's me to where I just kind of speak my mind or, you know, if I'm interested in something and I'm going to say it. And I don't think sometimes she doesn't think of it that way. She think at first, it was like, I think she didn't think of, some of the things I said as was wrong necessarily, but she didn't think to go against the odd or to, you know, interpret something a different way. You know, she was just very straightforward on that track. This is what we believe. And that's it. Just as my other family was. But I think now she's starting to understand. OK, I see. I see how Michaela's thinking. and I think some parents don't do that. They just say no, this is wrong. Why aren't you praying? Why aren't you doing this? Or I disagree with this. But I think it's very important, especially nowadays, for parents to try to understand their child and why they're thinking the way they're thinking. That way, if you feel like you need to check them or if you feel like you need to you know, open their eyes to another perspective, then, you know, then that, that door is open to do so. But it's very important to understand your kids, understand what they're feeling, because I don't know, I mean, even like with race, with being black and native and. I sometimes I wish my parents had a little bit more of an understanding to actually come in and speak to me. To, so that way I, I don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily feel like I had to go through being biracial alone, if that makes sense, okay. you know, but, but
0: yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's all powerful, man. It's, it's crazy. Again, just uh, the, the thought of kids of, you know, what can I, what curses can I break? What things can I change? You know, one of the major things, as I mentioned for me is like shedding all of this, like colonial structure that I've been, you know, carrying my entire life. Um, and like, I know that spirituality is key. It's, it's essential, you know, and connection to earth is essential. You know, that's where I find God, you know, going out on hikes, going out, Into Mm -hmm. the mountains, going into the streams, even having to like dip into the icy cold waters because your uncles wake you up at five in the morning and tell you to dip in, you know, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like that's a practice with, uh, you know, with with nature and with God. And what's crazy is that it is scary that even our blood quantum itself can interrupt our spiritual practices and that like going hunting and fishing in these ways of like us communing with our environment are challenged by, you know, things like blood quantum and whatnot. And it's, it's so sad that like, you know, these structures also bleed over into our, into our mental health, which we know, obviously, yeah, our spiritual health, you know, um, and like the ways that we practice and the ways that we connect uh, are even challenged by these things. So, I oh don't know, there's just so much there. And uh, yeah,
1: there's a lot to dig it, dig deep into. I feel like there's just so many different topics and so many different things I want to bring up, but but it's like, all right, stay on track.
0: (laughs) The one thing that I am trying to like weed out with my, as I I keep alluding back to my grandmother. And I say that because she's the matriarch of our family and she is the devout Catholic and she's the most holy woman. And I love her and adore her with my entire heart. And so Mm -hmm. it's awesome that even in her place, Um, she sits and she has conversations with me about how I'm anti everything that she is. (laughs) Uh, And, and I don't mean it in like a, you're wrong. Yeah. I'm just like, Graham, this, like, this isn't good for me. And one of the cool things that I'm trying to like discover even right now is like Hanyawat itself, like the creator and all of our concepts of Hanyawat because it's always a he and I'm always like, Mm mm-hmm. Is that always been the case? Has creator always been a male masculine energy, you know? Or is it
1: even, a, is there even a gender? Exactly. You know? <laughs> so is this a
0: colonial structure, you know? Cause I'm like, I look around and I'm like, when I look around women in my life are the creators. Everything is created by women. Men destroy shit in my life, you know? Yeah. And so I I'm mean, like, that's
1: just in life mm-hmm. in general. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I'm like, how can it be that we hold on so tightly that the creator itself is this man you know i'm like oh it doesn't really line up with me and so that's no. you know of course like that's not anything that we can define in in our well, life starts time. from
1: adam's rib right but like who made that story like yes. you know
0: exactly why does the
1: woman have to be the dumb one maybe adam screwed up and we just don't know it because nobody wanted to write it down
0: like, you know, or they I mean? just tore like, out maybe, the other pages yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know exactly.
0: like you don't like, really know that we part. don't know
1: yeah and one thing i can't stand are people who walk around and act like they do know and it's like you don't know like you can't be upset because i'm posing a question that you don't know the answer to you know what i mean so and that happens all too often way too often my grandma's the same way though like my dad on uh, my my black grandma i guess i could say she's like she's just that she that's but she that's what makes her grandma you know what i mean yeah. she she lives her life as a strong christian woman and if she you do something she like well the bible say like that's where that's you know and then she goes into what she says or well you know what the bible says we do with it you know and that's just what makes grandma grandma and i think that's not something I don't even try to question my grandma. But like, "Well, grandma, have you thought of it this way?" It's like she don't she don't want any parts <laughs> of it. It just is. That's just who she is. Go for
0: it. You go first. Go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um... Well, oh again, wait,
1: does my TV distract you? I just realized no. it's coming at you, but okay, cool. I mean, it, it's there. It's not there. distracting
0: me though. I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm a Gemini. I can multitask. Okay. Cool,
1: <laughs> cool, just joking. Cool.
0: Uh, yeah. And I guess that's me, you know, Helen Trinnell, uh, Gemini. I was born in the Seattle area. Well, I was born in the heart of Seattle, uh, which I absolutely love uh, because it placed me over on the coast. And then I spent so much of my life going back and forth between the coast and then being inland in Northwestern Idaho in the Lapway area um, where our families have ties on the Nezapurse reservation. Uh, And so, yeah, I just did a lot of back and forth between those two places. And uh, that's where I developed my connection to land and to, to my family. And uh, yeah, that's, that's who I am in a nutshell. I'm a boy of the Pacific Northwest I am a city kid with a country heart, and uh, yeah, then, you know, half black and half native on top of that. <laughs> yeah,
1: nice. Oh. No, that was perfect. Yeah. I feel like every time someone asks me, like, well, where are you from? It's like, oh, okay, like, I don't really have, I don't have, well, let me just start over. So
0: yeah, who am ahead.
1: I? Let me focus on my question. Yeah, so- who the heck are you? <laughs> So, okay, so I grew up on the East Coast majority of my life, (coughs) lived in seven different states, I moved like every two to three years. So the where are you from question is really hard. I usually just say the East Coast. (coughs) But I lived I was born in Stanford, Connecticut, lived in Delaware, moved to White Plains, New York. Moved upstate New York after that, then moved over to Lapway when um, I was 10. So I moved with my mom. Um, and then from there, I moved to um, Pablo, Montana. And then from there, I moved back to upstate New York. Then from there, I moved back to Lapway. And then um, graduated, went to Lawrence, Kansas. From Lawrence, Kansas, I went to Durango, Colorado. From Durango, Colorado, I moved back here. And then from here, I moved to, to Alexandria, Virginia, or the DMV. So um, I've kind of moved around a lot. Um, but like I said, I grew up on the East Coast the majority of the time, but I don't really have... A place that's like oh i grew up on this street and i remember when this happened here and so that's the bitter part of the bittersweet is having somewhere you can wholeheartedly claim and have memories and you know having friendships since you were like toddlers or growing up in head start together like you know a lot of lapway does in my class did um but the sweet part of it too is i think i was able and i had the opportunity um, and I was blessed enough to see see opportunity and going to yeah. different um, places and traveling so much. I seen what was possible and wasn't possible, well not wasn't possible, but was possible. And um, with moving as much as you do, especially when you're younger, it's like you have to you have to have that confidence within yourself. You have to know who you are and be confident about because you're meeting different people, you're seeing different people, you're introducing yourself, you're going to one school, the next school. So one thing it taught me was, you know, to be confident in who I am, and you know, for me, it's like there's always an opportunity. You just have to find it, whether you create it or whether you have to find it. So I think for me, anything's possible. But um, I take I definitely rep Lapway because that genetically is my home. Uh, yeah. My ancestors live there, so that's what I rep and kind of go hard for. I think once I realized, you know, that no other race really has that opportunity except for the Native race. It's like you know, that's home. That's, yeah. that's where I'm at. So, you know, and I rep it wholeheartedly. So um, that's, that's, that's home to me, regardless, you know, whether yeah. I want to accept it or not, it is home because that's mm-hmm. where where we're from. So.
0: Yeah, but, yeah. It's a trip that gives me chills <coughs> just hearing you say that uh, because mm-hmm. it is such a unique experience and I didn't really realize it until adulthood, just like how connected to the land um, we are as, you know, native people and especially, you know, just our specific, uh, Nespers heritage, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's yeah. so crazy. Just it's the huge. place-based, uh, indigenous knowledge that's there within our, within our legends, mm-hmm. uh, within our history <clears throat> and now just within our current state of being,
1: uh, for sure. I think once I like was like, wait, you know, and it's as common sense as it is. It's like, wait, this is my home. This is yeah. like just moving so much. It's like I never, to, I never felt felt connected to any place. I never felt like I had the right to call it home because anyone can easily say, well, she didn't grow up here, you yeah. know. But once I chose to accept L.A.P.D. as my home and. That's when I kind of just hit the ground running. I'm like, I'm going to help as many people as I can, you know, get to know my community, understand how it works, what it needs, bringing awareness and doing my little part, doing whatever I can to make it a better community. So that was a huge deal for me. And it's not something you talk about because we are just like, you know, they probably look at you like you're crazy. Like, okay, like you've got, you found a home or whatever, yeah. <laughs> but it's just like, it was a big deal for me. And then I just, I decided to go hard for it. I'm like, yeah, I'll definitely home.
0: It's funny because Lapway is literally the only constant place that I've had in my life. My grandparents' house up past Sweetwater, so just outside of the Lapway city limits. Um, Those hills and pastures that they're in, that was where I grew up. I spent my summers out there on our horse ranch. And Mm -hmm. so much of my life is connected to that actual physical space. And it's Mm -hmm. the only place that's been constant throughout my life. Because similar to you, I was all over the place. In Seattle, we had a bunch of different houses as I was growing up. We left there when I was about 12 and moved to the Spokane side, so the eastern side of Washington, where I finished out junior high and high school. Uh, After that, I spent four years in Indiana, three years back in Seattle, five years in Seattle, or excuse me, in LA with a few of those years traveling abroad throughout Asia. Mm -hmm. And then back to New York. Uh, Oh, yeah, I spent some time in Brazil back in like 2007. So yeah, all these crazy places that, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you just go and you, you set up your life and you set up your, your whole routine, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. And I just always, similar to you, had that weird part of being like, well, where are you from? In my youth, it was easy to say Seattle. Once we were mm-hmm. relocated to Spokane, it was like, oh, I don't want to put this on. <laughs> like, yeah. no, thank you. You know, I'm not <laughs> trying to claim this place. Yeah. Uh, and so that's caused like a lot of like weird contention in my own life. And then, yeah, it's only been recently that I'm like, the only constant that I've had my entire time is my grandparents' house and the hills surrounding the house there in the Lapway area. That has been the one constant and the one home that I've called throughout my entire life. Uh, and so, yeah, even though I didn't go to school at, you know, the middle school or LHS or, you know, throughout, I didn't go through the school system there in Lapway and I, I didn't spend more than a year at a time living in residence there within the city uh Mm -hmm. it's still crazy because i'm like well i call it home
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it's weird it just it just is and the thing cool thing about it too is people just accept accept you you know what i mean i think especially that's just native way if you are part of the tribe or even if you aren't but you've grown up around the tribe it's like our tribes are just so accepting and loving and you know i'm sure there's people that aren't i mean i'm not saying the whole tribe but A lot of the tribe or people who know your family know, hey, she's a part of that family. You make sure you respect her, take care of her or watch over her or, you know. And so I think that's just how the Native dynamic works. And um, it's very comforting. So that's kind of what makes it home, too, is like people, you know, everybody, everybody knows everybody. If they don't know everybody, they know who you're related to. And so that's kind of what makes it home.
0: Yeah, you get claimed up. Which is nice, you know, mm-hmm. like the Tots the to Token, like the, the paper, especially when it was like in its high time back in the early 2000s yeah. um, with the print copies, you know, it's like Kellen Lewis from Lapway, Idaho. You know, I'm like, oh, y'all are claiming me, you yeah. know, like, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> even though like I didn't necessarily live. There, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, Kellen did this thing. We're we're talking about it in the community, and people are like, Oh, it's so good to see people from here, people from home doing this. And I'm like, Oh, technically, I don't live the majority of my days here in this area. However, mm-hmm. yeah, this is home to me. Yeah, the time being passed. I don't know if that makes it sense. Is to you it is what it
1: isn't, what it is. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, okay, cool. That's awesome to hear because. Again, just like being able to locate yourself into a place in space and call it home is so major.
1: Yeah, it's a big deal. And I think people who, people who don't have that experience don't understand it, but it's okay. I mean, that's a blessing in itself to not have to understand it and just to feel ingrained like this is where I want to be and, you know, I'm happy here. It's like yeah. that's what we're trying to get to. We're trying to, you know, especially if you move around so much. It's like that's what we want—that comfort. And even who knows if we'll stay, but just to know that that's home is a big deal. <clears throat> so, and also that's kind of the sad part about it. Sad, but also the beautiful part of it is that the res really just doesn't change. You know, yeah. To where it's like you're gonna still have that laughter. You're gonna still have that energy. The home cooked meals. You know things things don't really change. And I think it's time for things to start changing when we're talking about like economically and socially. Yeah. Um, But that's what kind of what makes it home too, is the res is going to be the res. And you hear that, you know, you hear that a lot. And, um, but yeah, so I think that's where, that's where we are now. And that's where I'm at now. It's like, yeah, home's going to be home, but how do we make it more? I don't know. I can't really think of the words, words to use, but I would do more and provide more and create more and show all the talents that we have within our reservation because it's a beautiful place if you choose to see it that way. Some people like to see the res as, you know, well, natives are drunks and it's dirty and they got trash or whatever, but the people are what makes it beautiful. And if we are able to spotlight that and give other, you know, native kids an opportunity to shine their light, you know, we're kind of unstoppable at that point if we are able to provide those type of opportunities, you know.
0: Yeah. <coughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, you literally just like opened up an umbrella, and uh, you know, how like an umbrella has like those different spines. That's so mm-hmm. I just thought of. I was just like, it can go in so many different directions here. Um, yes. Because again, going back, like being so tied to the land, uh, it's crucial. Because for millennia, our people have been in these spaces. And so it's, it's what we call home. And so then the the reason why that's so important is like now, you know, 2016 election, people are like, oh my gosh, if so-and-so gets elected, I'm leaving the country. F it. I'm getting out of here. You know, yeah, it's we like, can't go
1: nowhere. I'm not going nowhere. No, <laughs> this is
0: my home, you know, yes. or people being like, oh, you guys are in the military or like, or even just seeing the statistics about like per capita natives being uh, enlisted or not enlisted. uh Is that yeah, enlisted, right? Where you go and volunteer, not recruited. Um, Oh, yeah. For for the armed forces, and it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, that whole thing of, like, having to fight for your country that still doesn't treat you well within the bounds of the country, yeah, at the exact same time, there's an added layer of being like, well, even though, yeah, the country, quote-unquote, itself is treating me and my people horribly within this territory, this land territory itself is still deeper for me and my people. So, like, Mm-hmm. i'm going to like deal with some of those shades of of racism and you know all the bigger th- I'm, yeah, I'm using it's really like we poetic words
1: too i mean we do have a choice because I mean, we, we, we could leave if we realistically want to leave anybody could leave if they wanted to leave but at the mm-hmm. same time it's like just the way native people are which no other race really is within this country is we are deeply rooted into this land and it's yeah. like we're, that's one thing we're going like why i think if we were all to leave Let's just say, hypothetically, I feel like that's us giving up, you know, it's saying that they won, you know, so it's like, yeah, we're going to stay here and we're going to take some bumps, we're going to take some bruises, we're not going to be, you know, we don't have it all figured out, but we're hoping to work together so that we can figure it out and so that we don't feel like we want to leave, you know, but I think it's time to up the ante, let's just put it that way, I'm not saying that our tribe isn't doing what they're not, what they're supposed to do. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure they're trying as hard as they can, but it's like, I think we need to start strategically thinking, how do we get more to provide more for our own, you know?
0: Yeah. How, okay. Answering how is never easy. Uh, Yeah. I just wonder like, how does one do that? a lot of times when I approach a situation, I like to think, what can I learn from the situation rather than like, what can I teach in the situation, you know, Mm -hmm. because you'll get humbled quick. (laughs) Life will come through and it'll it'll get together, you know? So it's, that's why I enjoy approaching things from that situation. Like, what can I learn from this? How can I learn from you and from all the area or from, from the people in the community, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you know, it's a dumb question yet. How do we navigate that space of like wanting to come in and change things and be like, yo, mindset can change this way. Um, bureaucracy, we can take some of this stuff out. Uh, politically we can, we can work our ways this way. Economically we can do these things. Um, you know, these are all changes. They're all implemented from the outside in it seems like. So I wonder how do we, how can we go about, um, being humble and effective, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Like just how you just said that going from the outside in to really make big enough change, I think it's important to go from the inside out. I think it's important to understand what the problems in the community are and being able to listen and understand those community members and go from there, you know, get tied to, cut tight become a community and understanding what are the best ways of moving forward. But in order for us to move forward, we have to think similarly or, you know, as a people and designate different jobs by those who have certain strengths. Um, I always say you need to learn the system to work the system. So it's like it doesn't make sense for us to go straight to the top-notch people. And we don't understand what our, you know, people's concerns and stuff are right now. So I think to get there, it is going to take people willing to change and to understand the levels that we will be fighting against in a sense to understand where the government's coming from learning yeah. the system to work the system how are they operate operating okay how do we figure out how to operate that way so that we can get we want for the betterment of our people but i think it first comes from understanding the people's needs like i think that's why i i do a lot of even just something as simple as my raffles like I, that's my way of understanding what our community needs. When I say at the end, hey, I just, no matter who it is, whatever you need, you know, you don't have to be a nonprofit organization. If you just need help, or if you know somebody who needs help, or a family that needs help, contact me, DM me, message me. That's my way of getting to understand my people and understanding what these needs are and if they're common. Okay, well, if I'm realizing that too many people need food, too many people need toiletries, too many people need, Resources that should be easily accessible to me. That's a start. You know, that's a note in my notebook. Okay, so how do I provide more? community um, necessities, which, you know, which is food, which is toiletries. How do okay, who do I talk to? Which company do I talk to? Which agency can I talk to to where I don't have to think about it and I'm getting food drops every year or, you know, homelessness. Okay. I'm realizing that I'm providing a lot more people are asking me for this. And so it's like, it's just, that's my way of tapping into the community, but I think it's very important in order to make any big moves. You have to understand what the small problems are, which realistically are the bigger problems Um, and kind of going from there. So but then also, I think within any tribal community, you have your executive committees and tribal governments that also need to be changed because most of the time they're thriving off of nepotism and thriving, thriving off of, you know, who it's all who, you know, and getting Mm -hmm. too comfortable. So it's like we need to straighten up in that and be able to adapt to change. And I understand why natives do things the way they do them and don't change them, because it's just that's we're very strong on traditions in almost every aspect in every form, but some of that needs to change in order to keep up and get ahead to get what we deserve, you know, and be able to understand to ask those questions to ask for what we want confidently and not being self defeated or getting defeated by, you know, people in power and those positions to power. My dad always says, um, and this is written a reflection of business, but I kind of see it. Mm -hmm. I can see it across the platform. He says, Um, As much as you don't want to, he says, um, you need white people to get ahead. And so for me, it's like, no, I don't want to need white people to get ahead. I think now, right now, in this time and age, obviously we do because there's still you know, in control of more than what we're in control of. But yeah. I want to work hard to where I'm providing opportunity to where my children and my children's children and my children's children's children don't need the white man to succeed. So yeah. you have to understand what they're doing. So in a form, you can you can use it against them because that's how they only know. They only knows by rules and laws and um, that they've created for themselves to use it against us. So how do we use it and use it against them? You know, how do we get the upper hand in doing it in t- intellectually, um, to kind of surpass them. Not to talk. I mean, I feel like I talked forever, but but yeah, that's that. I think. I think it's a lot of people tell you what needs to change, but they don't tell you how it needs to change. And so that's kind of my broad idea of, I feel like how it needs to change.
0: Yeah. Yo, thank you for that. Uh, well, two different things, I guess I wonder is just the way that tradition (laughs) plays a role in so much, you know, like the things that we hold on to, and then mm-hmm. the things that we value and the things that are actually encouraged by tradition, uh, cause it has its double side on with that. And then mm-hmm. the other thing that you said yeah. that was like really sticking sticking out was like having, or like, how do you, what, what role do you play? Especially in regards to like working with and or for, um, white people, you know, mm-hmm. um, the reason why those two things stuck out to me from what you just said is because uh, I often notice the times when tradition limits or it feels as though it's limiting me or limiting what I perceive around me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, yes, I get it. It's quote unquote tradition. Yet also where does this tradition come from? Um, my grandma said something really powerful the other week or whatever. She was like, you know, somebody's grandma says something, then it becomes law.
1: And it's so true,
0: (laughs) you know, like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, my grandma said that you do it this way, you know? Oh, well, my grandma said that things are always done from this way to this way. And then you do it like that. And it's like, once once your grandma says it, it's law, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, and I think about that in regards to tradition itself. Uh, in a grander scheme like how far back does the tradition start you know Um, because just even like pride in lapway idaho itself it's like that's a strong tradition it's a community it's this beautiful place um and it's this interwoven family that thrives yet you go back a little bit further and fort lapway itself is the very place where white people brought us and said hey Uh, you have 30 days to get off of all of your natural homelands and just come to this little place. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, we're not doing that. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, that's, that's what I mean with like tradition. It's like at one point that was like, so like, no, never, this is not us yet. You know, then history happens, all these events happen. And then we get kind of removed away from these changes and now it's just tradition now lapway idaho and the Nesper's community around lapway idaho has a tradition Mm -hmm. um and and so then yeah then it becomes weird it's like well what what role does tradition play in the things that we keep and and how it how it develops our foundation you know it's the way that we connect with one another yet what parts of this quote-unquote tradition are also holding us back
1: yeah I think some people see tradition as an obligation, and that's tough. It's tough because yeah. it's like you don't want to question your ancestors, but then yeah. at the same time, I don't know. I mean, I don't think. Well, how do you feel about it? Do you feel as though that generational trauma and generational, I guess, like I just like to say, habits stem from tradition, or do you feel like those are two separate things?
0: Ah, uh, definitely, both are true. You know, at the exact same time, and I feel like people just choose. Um but do sometimes think, life go ahead.
1: Do you think that tradition and general generational trauma are the same thing in a sense? Like
0: oh, do I think that they're the same thing? No.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say no. that either. I think I think traditions is completely separate, separate from generational trauma. That's how I would think about it.
0: However, traumas can inform certain traditions I don't
1: know because I mean I guess I'm trying to define traditions in a loose sense and to kind of get your perspective on it as well because I don't I don't see traditions as as that I feel like some people might see it Mm -hmm. that way because if you were going to say yeah then I wanted you to expand on it but I think what are you
0: thinking I'm I'm interested I don't I
1: don't think I don't know that's why I'm trying to like that's why I'm trying to break it down because then I'm like I I, I see both sides but I don't see both sides like I don't see it as one I think traditions is just. Native, I think they're just native. Ha- well, no, not native habits either. I don't think yeah. trauma has anything to do with traditions. I think traditions was what we had to hold on to outside of colonialism, you yeah. know, like yeah. our traditions are make us who we are. But I think when it comes to position- positions of power, like say now within our tribe, mm-hmm. I think we have certain traditions, but in a different form.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess if
1: that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm trying to break it down and figure it out myself just out loud, but
0: yeah. <laughs> well, think... let me spit this. Oh, go ahead. I
1: don't know. I don't, I don't.
0: Yeah. No, go okay. Ahead. Go ahead. So I just going to keep rambling. So. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> me randomly spitting off of like what you're saying. Um, oftentimes I, I have a hard time differentiating between tradition that is uh, just linked to who we are as a people and tradition that has come about or has had to adjust in order to just to, to maintain. So that's mm-hmm. why I can't really separate the historical mm-hmm. trauma. Cause I think about one major t- tradition for our tribe itself is each summer going to the different battle sites and having memorials for the quote unquote conflict of 1877 or Nesper's war of 1877, or, you know, my reclamation language, uh, the flight to freedom of 1877, you know, because yeah, you know, war implies that we went in being like, "Oh, this is what we're gonna do." No, it was a forcible removal, and we were fl- fr- exactly yeah, we were going for our freedom. Uh, anyways, so you know, that's a tradition now is going to these different battle sites um, because it was the traumas that caused us to now do these things, and now we go to these spaces and we hold them up. We hold these ceremonies. We hold these memorials, even to the Chief Joseph and Warriors Memorial itself. You know, yes, it's a celebration because it's a powwow. It allows us uh, the space to exercise a lot of our old practices with name givings and giveaways and memorials for family members who have passed or done anything else in their life. Yet at the Mm -hmm. exact same time, it's also something coming off of you know, the U.S. government coming in and, and working to wipe us out. Yeah. And the last part that I have to say about this is that like the last example that I think of right off the top of my head is uh, like the Pendleton Roundup or Lewiston Roundup, any of these rodeos where they have involvement with Native American communities directly to these, you know, w- white centric rodeo events. Now it's great because yes, um, my family has been going, Oh, I'm even, I didn't mean to wear this. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, so this was a gift from one of my family members, because this is like a thing that like my family goes to all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I have a a hard time. Yeah. I have a hard time going to the Pendleton roundup because it is so white centric and it's so, uh, just antiquated. And so that's where it gets weird because yes, it's a tradition. This has been happening since 1910 and on, and my family has been going since the inception, you know, like my grandma, her grandma went in the 1910, you know, like the very first one. So, and my grandma grew up going and so then my mom and then same on like my dad's side, you know, it's like our families have gone to this thing over the course of a century and some 10 years now. And it allows us the space to like get in our traditional dress in order to like dance and sing and do, you know, to camp in community. We, we set up all of our teepees and we camp and we cook and families visit each other's tents and whatnot, you know. So it allows mm-hmm. space for us to practice these traditional things, yet at the exact same time, it's like governed and managed by cowboys, You know, you Indians can only be in this area. You Indians have to dress this way in order to be considered Indian. You Indians Mm -hmm. need to act this way. Otherwise you don't meet our Indian standard and we just nullify it. You you don't count, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and they hold competitions and pageants and all these things. um, And they're telling us who we are and they're judging us on that. And so I have a hard time with these different things because yes, they are tradition. And yes, it is a space for us to come and put together all of our regalia and to practice our, all all, all of our practices. Yet at the exact same time, it's pretty effed up. You know, it's yeah. like we're still like in a zoo. That's what I was you thinking. I could
1: have swore, like, didn't it start to like basically just show us or to kind of put yes, us on a, like a wild not a west pestle, but a platform. yeah it, like it wild
0: west shows which is basically it wasn't you.
1: like oh we're so it was cultural it wasn't a cultural appreciation by any nope. means it was like a zoo it was like hey let's let's show you the savages <laughs> like you know yes. And for it sounds raw like messed up but that's that's what it seems to me so I guess we can agree on this that all traditions aren't good traditions but they definitely influence some of the choices that we have made within our tribe because we have always made them that way yeah that's I guess because I'm still trying I was trying to decide I'm like well man like how does tradition affect our tribe now and the decisions that we make but I think that's the only conclusion is that not all traditions are good traditions and some of them are probably just made up or like <laughs> they don't stem from from where a good place and yeah, but it's just hard, especially with the Native people, to to question anything. Yes. You know, and if you are, you better be able to back it up and show the receipts. And sometimes even that's not good enough. So I think that's where there's a lot of hesitation within our tribe is people don't want to step on anyone's toes when some toes need to be stepped on for the greater good. Yeah. So yeah, we kind of drifted is there anything else <laughs> no 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 that was do you want to talk I about was... anything else no, we didn't even like, talk that, about
0: like that was the great mm-hmm. resolution right there I, th- I okay. think <laughs> I think we're golden we have some cool gems cool. in there in the beforehand and... take
1: out the last 45 minutes <laughs> <laughs> exactly yes
0: exactly that's, that's okay. a personal archive
1: we want to thank everybody for tuning in today as always it's a pleasure to be here with my crew simply talking our black native talk like we do there's a whole lot more for us to discuss, though, so stay locked in. You can check out our episodes on quantumtheorypod.com and feel free to send in any topics, questions, or small business shout-outs to our socials, and you might just hear us discuss it on air. Our IG handle is at quantumtheorypod, and you can also find us on facebook.com backslash quantumtheory. So be kind to yourself out there, know that you're a boss, and drink plenty of water. Pi Heknu. See you next time.